Hello, I'm Alex and this is the Northern Guide to Happiness. Welcome to episode two. As always, I'm here in our virtual studio with the rest of the podcast team, Kath and Chris. How are we? Fine. 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 <laughs> Living in the brave new world. Yeah. Brave new world. <laughs> but you're just fine. Yeah. Well, can I, can I do a quick shout out? Of course you can. You know how we've been stuck inside for ages and ages and we've all kind of forgotten how to do outside like going places yeah and how to interact with people yeah well it's, yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's a real indication that you know I've got the first bus i get after sort of lockdown ends uh and i leave my wallet on it oh no with everything in it you know oh, cards Chris. a little bit of cash embarrassing <laughs> loads, loads of receipts it's a really messy wallet you know it's not like a trend <laughs> mine's like that um, it's fine <laughs> Um, so this is when I was taking my, my son in for his, his uh, drum lesson in the centre of town on uh, on Saturday. And of course, I'm panicking because, you know, the entire life is in there oh. and someone's going to nick it and take all my money. All your um, money. So, yeah, so it's like, <laughs> sort of gracelessly running uh, back towards Haymarket bus station and uh, getting to the office or hammering on the door because the bus by this point has now t- turned around and gone back. So the X14 bus fans... Um, and uh, I spoke to the supervisor there, Ariva, and they were splendid. The Ariva people were really, really good, and they found the wallet. Yay! The, uh, the bus driver pulled his bus over while he was uh, sort of driving back up to Ashington, found it, replaced it again. Um, but the, the supervisor was giving me all sorts of updates and just making sure they, I knew where everything was and what to do and all this stuff. And I just thought they were brilliant, so I got them all a box of chocolate biscuits as a thank you oh. which they, they didn't want to take because they were just doing our jobs but that is beautiful splendid yeah. w- splendid work yeah. Ariva. thank you and good use of the word splendid as well i don't hear that mm. word often enough yeah yeah oh good work great stuff i i left a bag on a train to edinburgh once i got off at newcastle and i didn't realize till it was too late and uh, they wouldn't send it back on the train so i had to drive all the way to edinburgh <laughs> to get my bag back and then i had to just before they handed the bag over i had to describe what was in my bag and it, How embarrassing. Um, yeah it was because I, I think i had <laughs> i think I had a few um, scrunched up paper bags filled with <laughs> filled with penny sweets that I'd bought from the sweet shop as a sort of self-indulgent treat for the train. Uh, so I had to, I think there's some penny sweets in the front pocket. Um, oh, that was, that was embarrassing. But yeah, I did get it back, oh, thankfully. Can I tell you my traumatic bag, bag search story? <laughs> there, there's, a, there's, there's a podcast in this, isn't it? Lost bags. There, there is somewhere, there is. <laughs> This was this was actually it's my son again. Gosh, oh. all my all my traumas we'll uh, related to, to doing stuff. For my son, he needed his passport, so of course he needed to go into Durham um, to to get that sorted out. Um, so I took all the stuff and uh, and went into the uh, place and I had everything in my in my backpack. And of course, you walk through and there's a metal detector and you've got to put the bag on the thing. And uh, the, the security guy says, um, "Do you mind if we just open the bag and have a look?" And it was this point that I realised that I'd had this bag for a good few months and just after getting it. Um, I'd mistakenly put in a couple of custard creams in a pack in the front pocket. Um, the worst biscuits. I, the worst biscuits for this. Um, and they had completely disintegrated and atomized and just kind of <laughs> coated the inside of the front pocket, which I thought, fine, can't be bothered doing it. I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> uh, so I, I say to this guy when he's searching the bag, um, yeah, okay, you can have a look. Best not to check the front pocket, though. 
And it turns out, when you say that sort of thing to a security guard, they really, really want to check in that pocket. So, yeah. Well, on, on that note, shall we introduce... <laughs> Shall we introduce our interview for this week? Um, This week we have Robin Fry, who is involved in the amazing work that North Tyneside Voda do across the borough of North Tyneside. Voda supports uh, various uh, voluntary organisations, charities, community groups uh, across the region, as well as running their own projects and volunteering programmes. Uh, It was great catching up with Robin, talking about the work that Voda did during the COVID pandemic, as well as the many things that bring him happiness. So without further ado, here's Robin. Hello, Robin Fry. A very warm welcome to the Northern Guide to Happiness. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. How are you? Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm I'm all right, thanks. Um, as 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 I say, I was um, a little nervous about whether this microphone would work all right. So as soon as we'd pack the kids off to school, I set the microphone up. And not only does it uh, seem to be working all right, but I also, because I'd set up so early, uh, opened Garage Band and uh, started recording a little ditty. So um, <laughs> what a lovely start to the week. I must say, you are looking very professional with your microphone stand and headphones. I'm very impressed. Thank you. This this microphone is actually on long-term loan from my friend Kev. Long-term uh, so ho- loan. Yeah. Ho- hopefully this won't blow it and he'll realise I've still got it. <laughs> Darn, I'll have to give it back. <laughs> well, it's a new week. We're recording on a Monday. Um, is there anything you're looking forward to this week? Um, bit of a cliche, but I suppose I quite like the idea of sitting outside a pub, um, <gasps> particularly with, yeah, um, particularly because, I mean, I don't know if this is unusual, but I, I seem to have um, made some new friends during lockdown, people that I already knew pre-lockdown, but have kind of um, lent on them, I guess, in a, in a work capacity, in a friendship capacity. Um, and yeah, it would be nice actually just to be able to to sit down with people and just kind of reflect and and uh, yeah, big each other up a little bit to help us get through the next phase. So yeah, looking forward to that. It's been really nice to be able to have a bit of outdoor contact with my dad and stepmom. So we were at Cragside at the weekend. Just so nice actually to be out in big open spaces. Uh, we were getting a little bit tired of the regular walks where we live although there's some lovely walks it just felt very very routine to the point there's where you only, were seeing the same other walkers <laughs> yeah there's only so much you can do isn't there in terms yeah. of uh, walks that are available to you yeah yeah, yeah it's going to be nice to get out and see people again and even if it is rather baltic at the minute we've had a few uh, dustings of snow in the morning mm-hmm. uh, a bit of ice but uh yeah and and my um sitting outside drinking place of choice is probably right on Whitley Bay seafront as well so I noticed they're recommending people bring their own blankets (laughs) I was round a friend's house on Saturday actually and I did have the blanket round my knees yeah it's it's uh, worth it it though isn't it absolutely it did the trick so uh it was fine it was fine it was good to see everybody so the other the other exciting news is uh I'm now fully vaccinated as of yesterday as well so uh incredibly incredibly grateful for uh for that it's been an incredible um program hasn't it just 
been seems seems so slick everyone i've spoken to has had a really positive experience of uh getting their vaccination done just nice and quick no problems in out done uh, yeah absolutely three they were they were they i went to the one at the hospital rather than one of the vaccination clinics and the lady who was vaccinating me reckons she's doing one every three minutes which is just wow. amazing and it doesn't feel like they're kind of jabbing you before you've even sat down and then you're straight out it's, <laughs> it's still with kind of care and and attention yeah. but yeah incredible yeah. brilliant oh that's great news good job um so Robin, perhaps for people that um, don't know who you are, could you perhaps just introduce yourself and say a little bit about uh, what you do? Certainly, in, in, so in a in a work capacity. Um, However, you want to yeah introduce yourself. Okay. Isn't that isn't that odd about how you how you define yourself? Mm. So so the work version of me, um, I work for a local charity in North Tyneside called Voda. And it's a charity that strongly believes in the power of volunteering and community action to transform communities and make people's lives better. So, um, yeah, so I do that Monday to Friday. um, And the last 12 months has been um, something quite special in terms of the the privilege um, that myself and my colleagues have had to be able to be part of the community response. Um, I occasionally wonder what it would have been like had we been furloughed. And Mm. I think for a couple of weeks, it would have been absolutely brilliant. But actually, I think certainly for me, being able to be part of a response has helped me be able to cope with everything that's happened over the last 12 months. Um, So the charity has been going for ages. I've worked there forever. but in the last 12 months, we've really scaled up a lot of the stuff we've been doing in terms of coordinating local volunteers who have stepped up heroically to do people's shopping where people have had to shield, collect prescriptions, top up gas and electricity cards, um, drop off food parcels, and more recently steward at the three vaccination clinics across North Tyneside. So we've seen probably about 500 people um, kind of put the hand up and say yeah we're up for helping out and it has just been incredible there's occasions where you'll be um, you'll get a request from someone who's unable to leave the house but urgently needs their medication collecting you'll phone a volunteer before you've even told them the address they've got their coat on and they're halfway out the door like ready to go nothing's a bother for them so for us we, we've seen the best of people which is um yeah a really privileged position for us to be in like we haven't been doing the running around i guess we're the kind of enablers of all of this but actually it's the it's the residents who have um some of them have had the first taste of volunteering and absolutely love it some of them have been doing it as part of their work and from home routine where they've missed that contact so actually in their lunch break what better than to nip out and do someone shopping bit of exercise away from your desk a bit of social contact and that kind of feel good factor as well so yeah it's it's been a it's been a funny old 12 months but hasn't it for everyone absolutely and you you use the word privileged there which i thought was an interesting word why why have you used that word to kind of describe the experience um privilege because um yeah so it's our job i get reasonably well paid for doing it but there's something about the position certainly the position that i'm in to yeah, to to see the best in people. So 
although we kind of went a little bit frontline services it was mostly quite joyous despite the scenario so yeah we heard some some really sad stories of conditions people were living in and people's independence being kind of taken off them all of a sudden but um we got to see the the just the beautiful thing of people just saying yeah i'll I'll help and i don't want paid for it i'm helping because i genuinely believe that my help is needed so in in the the first few months of lockdown we were working with the local authority to deliver a load of food parcels to people who were shielding couldn't get out the house were finding it difficult to get an online shopping slot so essentially we're at risk of having no food for the first time in their lives and for some people these were people who certainly weren't hard up financially but just didn't have any way of getting any food so myself and my colleague keith every day at three o'clock and this was when it was gloriously sunny there was those sunny lockdown days three o'clock every day we would be stood outside the council office we'd lined up about 50 food parcels and a, a, a squad of volunteers would merrily reverse up in their cars we would load the parcels in and off they would go but just that you know you'd have a bit of a chat with them you got to know the volunteers they got to know the people they were delivering to and it just felt uh it, it actually it was a reminder of just how good people are and how actually mm-hmm. when there's a crisis isn't it nice to know how quickly people pull together um and it was it was actually just quite reassuring to know that there were people out there who maybe didn't want to volunteer month on month year on year but would say look if you need us i'm here and if i can help i'll be more than happy to and we met you know we're talking um estate agents vicars pe teachers plumbers electricians all manner of people who either were on furlough retired or fit fitting it in amongst other responsibilities um yeah it was just it was a wonder to behold there was certainly i could i could see it on social media and through um some of the community development work that i was doing there was this rush to you know people wanted to help it was great to see wasn't it I mean, you've been working with North Tyneside communities for years. How have they been seeking happiness, as you say, over the last 12 months? That, what an interesting question. I think for some people it's been a matter of survival initially. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting to see how, in my limited exposure to this, how actually with some people, once they were reassured that they were going to get their most... And we're talking about the most basic needs met in terms of food, shelter, um, heating. I think we saw a bit of a shift. So I, I'll, there's a couple of people that I'll always remember. And I learned so much from the experience that in the early days, um, people could be quite um, rude to us on the phone. Um we were going to deliver a food parcel and they were phoning saying why on earth haven't i got food this is ridiculous and this is quite a new thing for us we're not used to um coming up against that kind of um attitude and at first we were like what a what a bloody nerve you know we're (laughs) we're offering free food and we've got all these volunteers and all all people are doing is complaining but i think you know it it pretty soon became apparent that these were people absolutely terrified Mm. of how's their wife going to get a medication how are they going to feed their family? Um, 
and I think as soon as we could start empathising and putting ourselves in other people's positions, it became quite obvious why people were up a height. There was that real confusion, that real not knowing what was coming next. And often, um, once people got the food, uh, their attitude completely changed, and then you could start to have those kind of conversations. I remember um, I dropped off a few food parcels for a lady in colour coats who had not long decided that she wanted to be vegan. As a vegan myself, I said, oh, well, I'll, I'll do your shopping. I'll do your food parcel because, you know, I can swap stuff. I, I'm aware you know what what's vegan, needs. what isn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I got to know her quite well. And after a couple of times of dropping the food parcel off, she started saying to me that because I'd been introducing it to all sorts of foods, it had given her a new energy to start cooking. And whereas nice. she had been surviving off bread, very basic stuff um because she she'd found this new passion and, and she said actually she started cooking she started eating better and bizarrely this kind of lockdown experience has given her a new lease of life and she couldn't wait until she was able to go out because she wanted to go and explore vegan cafes she'd this new passion for food because she'd been eating better she'd she'd had a bit more self-confidence a bit more value in herself and it was incredible to see Isn't how people under such difficult circumstances can actually use it as a way of <laughs> feeling better for themselves and actually yeah. happier in some ways, knowing that this this was going to end this period of shielding. So I think people have, um, I think people have found happiness in helping others. Certainly, a lot of the volunteers we've spoken to have said um, volunteering has given them something positive to focus on. It has given mm. them a routine. And actually getting to know the people that they're shopping for, it is given friendship as well. And they've learned loads from the people because not only do they drop their food off at the door, but they'll have a socially distanced chat. Um, people have felt more part of their community. that They know more people now that maybe live next to them. And when everyone's able to be out and about again, they may go for a coffee or, or a walk and hopefully kind of reminisce about do you remember that time when I bought you the wrong tinned peaches and you <laughs> sent me back to the shop? <laughs> but there's that kind of camaraderie, I guess, isn't there? And and some that connection between people, I think, is comes with a certain sense of happiness because it's it's innate in us all, isn't it, to want to connect? Yeah. You've mentioned a couple of moments already, but have have there been any kind of standout moments for you over the last twelve months? Um, yeah, loads. And actually, I think we've done quite a good job of writing them down. I think we realised um, quite early on that this this was going to be Voda's, it sounds a bit selfish, but Voda's moment. This will be probably what we're remembered for as a charity. And for many of us will be the most significant part of our career. There was uh, um, a moment when we were working with the council to get the food parcels out us being us we weren't satisfied at just providing food we wanted to do something that made it feel a bit more personal um so i spoke to my son's teacher and his class started um creating drawings and we would copy the drawings and put them in the food parcels so the recipients would get a personal drawing um there was VE Day ones, there was the rainbow ones. And I, I'll always remember a lady who we dropped a food parcel off for. had gone to the effort of phoning us, not only to thank us for the food parcel, but had said that, well, there was two things she said. One was that when she received the picture, 
in her food parcel um it, she immediately burst out in tears because it was oh. a drawing of a rainbow um and this lady had said she felt incredibly guilty she was the only one in her street that didn't have a rainbow in the window to thank the nhs and she felt so awful um and to get a rainbow in her food parcel to be able to put that in the window had brought it to tears and <laughs> and then um even more emotionally a couple of weeks later we did ve day posters so the kids drew posters around ve day and this same lady phoned and said um again brought it to tears because her parents had met on ve day so oh, for her wow. to be able to have this hand-drawn um picture in a window to commemorate ve day um i think just that personal touch the food was really important but people feeling special as well was so yeah i mean that and something yeah, that, so simple as well wasn't it as you say absolutely. just photocopying you know these yeah. pictures yeah, made such yeah. a big difference yeah and i yeah. went i went with my son one time to drop the lady shopping off and he saw his picture in a window as well and for him <laughs> oh, brilliant. i think it, it made him realize actually that wasn't just some coloring in he did but actually this was really valued by someone and yeah. he'd made a contribution so yeah there's those happy moments i mean there was some horrendous scenarios as well I when can imagine people yeah. hadn't realized they were entitled to free food and had been managing on what they could scrape together and it was just heartbreak and actually that there were people who were hostage in their own home there was a guy mm. who didn't understand the the letter he got around shielding because he has dyslexia his mobile phone credit had run out so he was pretty much trapped at home waiting for someone to contact him nobody came because he didn't have any friends and family and had been living really desperately for quite some time um terrified so yeah there was there was some really desperate stuff um yeah but but also some really happy really just lovely to get some real characters as well people that we've met were and, and it, as i say it, was, it is a privilege to have been able to support people who in their lives have done some incredible things themselves and had never had to rely on charity and really didn't want to feel like they were a burden um but because it became more of a relationship than a transactional where giving you free stuff um it was great and, and quite a lot of the beneficiaries have said we will volunteer we we desperately want to give something back because we appreciate so much what you've done for us yeah, uh, and have yeah. been have making cards from home that we can use for other projects so it, it it has felt um a real kind of partnership rather than a receiver and a giver of services yeah which is the ideal situation isn't it really yeah How, i think so it's it must have been exhausting on numerous levels for you and your staff i mean how did you maintain your own mental well-being and and you know staying positive and it probably wasn't possible to stay positive all the time but what did you try and do to maintain your well-being um i think in, in terms of a staff team first of all i think one thing that i've learned throughout all of this is you need to put the preparation in um we had already as a staff team done a lot of work on what it means to work at Vorda the values our behavior um and also that kind of permission to get things wrong so we were already coming from a position of strength we were a tight tight-knit team we brought new staff in during lockdown which was really odd um 
but our expectations of each other were that we knew at every point everyone would be doing their best and that was always good enough mm. we each had our own wobbles i've had a few recently where it just felt quite overwhelming in terms of where we've still got some lockdown stuff we're finishing off we've got our day job we've got some new stuff so yeah we've definitely had each other's backs um job descriptions went out the window um <laughs> yeah. i'm certainly i mean my salary isn't based on how many food parcels i can carry up and down some stairs <laughs> but i think we we all kind of rolled our sleeves up and we all pitched in and i think seeing each other doing that um and we all said look i'm really struggling or i just need some time off or please can you help me with that but i think that's because we already had that way of working and I think it would have been really difficult to shift a culture of an organisation in order to behave in a different way. Um, I guess it's similar to, to the partnerships we already had. We already work very closely with the local authority and other charities. Because of that, we were able to very quickly set up new ways of work and without having to get to know each other. Um, so there's something about actually we've probably spent years preparing to be able to cope with this uh, without yeah. realizing that's what we were doing yeah, but there's that yeah. resilience throughout the organization um i think for me i'm lucky that i've got a supportive family uh, i'm lucky that where i live i wouldn't be out and about um certainly it has been relentless um and it certainly hasn't been a, a nine-to-five day job but being able to see the immediate impact of what we're doing. Uh, I mean, we've never been so popular. The amount of thank you cards we've had. I think when all of this stops, we're going to wonder where all the thank you cards have gone. Um, but we've we've had so much in return for the effort we've made and being able to see that kind of appreciation and impact, I think, has, has kept us going. But that's not to downplay how hard it has been for everyone. Mm. Um, yeah. Even the shift to working from home was enough never mind working from home changing your services doing 10 times more than you would normally do um i think it has been remarkable actually that we've all managed to come through it does your work make you happy robin absolutely yeah yeah um i think the last 12 months has given me um it's felt far more immediate so I'm the chief exec of the charity I work for. Um, I've worked for the charity for ages. Previously, I was more about running projects, which felt a lot more immediate. You could kind of see the impact. That moved to a more strategic role. It took me quite a lot of time to, to kind of get my head around. Uh, and I remember being asked in my interview a, a question which I thought was ridiculous at the time, but I've only just understood what it was about. And it was something like, how will you feel not seeing the results of your work for maybe two or three years down the line? And I thought, what, what kind of question? That's a, that's a ludicrous, I don't know, what, what are they talking about? <laughs> uh, and, and I was starting to feel that in my role before the pandemic. Um, but this immediacy, kind of here's a problem, solve it, oh, that solution doesn't work, change it, that doesn't work, change it, right, that works, next thing. I love all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, we had so many um, challenges, like real practical kind of how on earth can someone pay for the shopping if they've tested positive for COVID? We can't possibly be having them handing money over to the volunteers. That's not safe. What on earth do we do? You can't can take the bank card. Yeah. That's not safe. Um, stuff like that. So th on that one, we set up the payment system with the council where someone would phone the council, pay some money over the phone, 
council would turn it into cash volunteer would collect the cash volunteer would go shopping and through that i think there's about sixty thousand pounds changed hand that system didn't exist and i love there's something there's maybe a, a a bit of my ego or arrogance that i get a huge amount of satisfaction in thinking that there's something that now exists that previously didn't exist yeah. um and that's you know I, I do bits of filmmaking bits of music and there's something that i just love about i'll make a film and i'll think half an hour ago that didn't exist yeah and, and now yeah. it's a thing and it's there and it's always going to be there and i can share it with people so yeah the the, the constant problem solving led to quite a few sleepless nights uh, and my colleagues would joke with me that they can always tell when I'm stressed because I would start creating animations. So <laughs> we're, we're quite a lot of the volunteer stuff as well. How do you train volunteers when you cannot have them come into your office? Um, so we created a load of short animations around safeguard and boundaries, staying safe. So if ever I shared an animation, everyone would go, how are you feeling? Uh-oh. Are you all right? <laughs> but that's, I think I learned a lot about myself as well in terms of that creative outlet for me is that kind of third dimension of my life which I really need so I've got the family bit I've got the work bit that I just needed that third bit and actually what I've really really missed is not being able to do the music stuff over the last 12 months because I'm in a couple of bands and we would quite regularly meet up Um, Mm. and for me although it's not much to give up compared to what other people have given up that third bit that creative bit is also something that I'm really looking forward to being able to get back into so tell me then a little bit about what makes you happy what brings you happiness you've 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 touched on a few things there can you say a bit more about them your your music your your making films what other stuff brings you happiness um and and, you know a lot of this considering uh, I'm 45 years old a lot of this I read recently new discoveries um Mm -hmm. i found it i find it fascinating to think that i've gone through at least 43 years of my life knowing very little about myself (laughs) and even this idea of what makes me happy only recently probably have i even been able to start trying to put that into words i feel like i've just been doing stuff on autopilot yeah and, and maybe not maybe not being comfortable with the vulnerability actually of just thinking what 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 is my life all about why am i doing mm. things why am i making certain choices um so yeah so more recently um having not been in bands for years being in school bands other stuff and then have kids difficult to find the time um having got back into that i think i've then reflected that that is really really important um so i'm in two two bands um one band we managed to sneak a gig in when it was allowed there was a bit of that kind of pandemic period where we were really lucky to be yeah. able to do a gig um the other band haven't done anything um but that that kind of creativity and, and when i think of um moments moments in my band history um there's one band i'm in emergency librarian two where there's um great six, names <laughs> there's six or seven i can never remember how many there is of us six or seven of us and it's it's quite kind of improvised uh and there's something just incredible about um feeding off each other's energy um often i think of myself as not very much of a team player i like to have control over my work if if i can do it i'll do it i'm not as good as maybe i could be asking other people to do stuff um 
but that is completely different to when I'm in a creative kind of music situation where I just absolutely love the fact that you can be in a room with six or seven people with no rules about anything someone starts doing something everyone joins in and all of a sudden there's just this amazing thing going on um really self-indulgent uh just a real escape from um real life um so yeah the, the music stuff i absolutely love um hence putting a jingle together at the start of the session <laughs> yeah. before <laughs> yeah and maybe there was a bit of that that i was maybe feeling a bit nervous about this interview and if i can channel me thoughts and energy into something different um yeah it, re it really really helps um yeah and again with filmmaking animation um i just love all that creativity and one thing that i've learned one thing that puzzles me about myself is um i don't know if you've ever done any of those personality tests where you mm. answer a whole load of questions and it tells you what kind of person you are i did one recently inspired by my colleague ali um, and I was absolutely horrified when I did all the, the questions and it gives you a little graphic of the person you are. And the picture it showed me was this aging man with a grey beard, <laughs> a sweatshirt and a clipboard. And I was like, there, there must some, something must have gone horribly wrong. But there's this thing about how lo logical I am. And actually that really unlocked stuff for me because it started helping me to understand why why I behave as I do in certain situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a bit about me in terms of I like to know how things end. So if I set off on something, I like to understand what the end point looks like. And yet in a musical band kind of stuff, I love not knowing where it's going to go. So it's really interesting. interesting just to see in some situations I need the safety of endings. The end date, In other yeah. situations, the end doesn't matter. Um, mm. So yeah, it's, it's I am, um, it sounds, it sounds a little, uh, I don't know, but a, a journey of self-discovery. <laughs> I think it's so important as well to because if you don't know what makes you happy, you kind of actively pursue those environments that you know are going to just recharge your batteries. So for me, it's it's been really important just to realise that if I do too much of this without a bit of that, chances are I'm going to be irritable, tired. Whereas if I get that balance, I'm going to be energ energised and I can give everyone the kind of best version of myself. So is is happiness for you maintaining that balance when, when you think of the words happiness what what comes to mind for you um yes yeah, so, so i guess there's a bit there's a bit very much about me is having having those opportunities to kind of do the stuff that i'm interested in um so there's kind of happiness in terms of me if i was living on my own i would do this this and this and this all the time 30 percent of that a bit of that um there's and then there's the kind of family bit where um like as i was reminding my son yesterday like the most important thing to me and his mum is that him and his sister are happy and actually mm -hmm. that's that's what we want for them is for them to be happy yeah. isn't for them to be rich or doctors or lawyers or even better working in the voluntary sector um but yeah so there's certainly a bit around you know i, I can only feel happy if i feel like my kids are happy because i feel like yeah. a lot of that's the reflection on what they're getting from us so there's the, there's the kind of family bit um there's the wider community bit as well in terms of um yeah what more can we do to to make a community healthier and happier um, so yeah, I guess 
what I'm learning is there's there's happiness at all different levels. Um, and also, you know, I, it's it's unlikely I'm ever going to spend all of my time in that happy place. I think sometimes you need those other experiences just to give you that bit of perspective. I've been particularly grumpy um, the last few days. In fact, when we had when we had to reschedule this, not only because my son had a we had a false COVID scare, but also I was in a terrible mood, and I thought, "Oh no, this, this is going to be <laughs> this is going to be an hour of me just saying why I'm not happy." No, saying, nobody wants to hear that. A happy interview. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know it's it's a space that I shift in and out of regularly, mm. and you know I, I don't think that's unusual. But I think that self awareness is so important to understand maybe why you're not feeling happy on a particular day to be able to sit with that and think well do you know what that that's all right um and in order to feel a bit happier i probably need to make time to do a bit more of this this and this um i think anyone who's eternally happy i'm a little suspicious about <laughs> i think i would be as well yeah. yeah i was going to ask you do you consider yourself to be a happy person generally you've kind of answered that already but yeah i think a i'm a bit of both yeah and i think i am um i think i am positive and optimistic but in quite a logical kind of way uh, and I think that's an unusual balance that uh, there's certain things that I've resigned myself to uh, and that's all right but that doesn't mean you can't have ambition and you can't be optimistic um, but a lot of it always has to be grounded in quite factual kind of mm. stuff which which is mm. my natural behavior but not I'm not like that all the time and again I think it's it's about recognizing when you can move away from the behavior that comes most naturally and occupy a different space like at work there's certain things and behaviors that it's important that i exhibit but in quite an honest kind of way with people have you always been involved in sort of community development work robin have you done other things are you asking me to tell you my story of how i came to work at Vorder? no no is there a story <laughs> there there is and, and I'll, I'll keep it brief uh, okay <laughs> um so so i grew up in the northeast went to school in the northeast um then went to university uh, strathclyde university in glasgow to do a degree in uh i had a very <laughs> had a very clear career ambition therefore i did a degree in sociology and german because i thought that would be <laughs> That's a winning combination, isn't it? Well, I, I did archaeology, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, went away to university, didn't much like the course, didn't much like working hard, but did very much like the uh, the music scene that was going on in Glasgow. So loads of great bands like Mogwai, Arab Strap, all those, just a, yeah. a, a really great scene. Um, I got a, did my degree, got a 2-2, and then spent about four or five years. Uh, an unfair representation of those four or five years would be dossing around doing nothing useful for anyone. Um, my interpretation is it was a real, um, I had the time of my life. I was living in a flat with my friend Stuart Christmas and we had this bit. Oh, under what a great the, name. I know, he ha he's also <laughs> has a friend called Norman Easter. No. Yeah, serious. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> so we, we, had, we had this music set up in a kind of bunker underneath the flat. So we were just very very um we were just keeping ourselves happy with very little interest in the world outside um that after a while that takes its toll i decided i, I would move back home to live with my dad 
uh, had a bit of a moment of what on earth have I done with my life? I've got no no idea who I you've am. You've had a great time. That's what be. you've done. I have, yeah. Uh, and went to North Shields Library, picked up a postcard about volunteering, filled it out, sent it off. Lo and behold, which local charity should phone me up to say, do you want to talk about volunteering? Of course, it was Voda. So uh, Voda put us on to volunteering with... Um, the charity that's now LD Northeast. So I was spending time going out with adults with learning disabilities, doing social activity, and also volunteering at the RSPB because I fancied myself as a bit of an environmentalist. Um, those two things absolutely changed my life and completely and utterly um, were what was responsible for me having the job. I met some incredible people. There was a lady at the RSPB called Emma. She was my supervisor. She filled me full of confidence. She gave me opportunities to do stuff I didn't think I could do, speaking at events, organising stuff. And it just clicked. I thought, actually, this work in Malarkey actually can be more than just about needing money to live as a real sense of purpose. Um, did that for a while, got a couple of jobs at the RSPB, and then um, my dad encouraged us to apply for a job at Voda, um, running a youth volunteering project, I thought, well, why not? There's no way I'm going to get the job. I turned up to the interview looking a little bit shabby. Um, the person who'd been interviewed before me came out with a briefcase and really smart, and I was thinking, oh, what have I done? And then in the interview spoke about my volunteering, and for some reason still I don't understand, I got offered the job and actually have just been with the organisation working on different projects. Um, our previous chief exec, Lisa, left the organization a few years ago i was given the opportunity to step up uh, i didn't really want to do it because i thought i'm not i'm not a boss like who wants me in charge of anything then realized <laughs> that they weren't expecting me to be lisa they wanted me for who i was mm -hmm. took the job still here terrified to leave because it's so great <laughs> so all those years ago what what made you pick that leaflet up then in was it the library did you say yeah no shields library so it was a time bank thing um, I think I was running out of options to be perfectly honest I, I didn't yeah. have a passion for volunteering it wasn't out of a sense of duty it was out of a sense of like if I don't get something sorted soon I kind of feel a bit stuck I mm. haven't really got any experience I've spent quite a lot of time almost removed a little bit from, from the real world enjoying myself absolutely uh, a, a little bit of a crisis actually of like what where where am I going to go next? Uh, I'd toyed with the idea of volunteering overseas, but didn't have the confidence to to take that leap. So it was a bit like, oh, I'll fill out the postcard. Probably nothing will come of it. Um, but because of the support I got from, it was a lady called Vicky Cowks who worked at Voda at the time, um, and she was like, right, we'll I'll we'll go we'll go to the RSPB. I'll I'll take you on the metro. I'll introduce you to people. So she and I really needed that kind of handholding thing. Um, and because of a lot of people kind of supporting me, um, yeah, really transformative and a really useful, you know, it's it's important that I remember that because a lot of what we do is about giving people their first taste of volunteering and I can use my experience to, to remember actually how overwhelming it can feel yeah. and actually sometimes people just need a bit of a gentle kind of push in the right direction. 
it's interesting because you we, we go back to that word balance that you used before that you know you love you love your music and you were saying there that you were quite happy in your basement making music but you knew that that wasn't going to be all that you could do to make you happy and you needed that other stuff to kind of balance yourself out I suppose absolutely I mean and it wasn't it wasn't the most healthiest of lifestyles either I think there's only so many years you can do that before before there's no there's no return really I mean <laughs> funnily enough my, my friend Stuart Christmas um, who is still in Glasgow we've we kind of lost touch for a little bit but we've we've recently got back in touch and we've um we've been entertaining ourselves during the lockdown he's rediscovered probably about 20 hours worth of stuff that we recorded so he's he's been remixing it all and and we'll he'll send it to us and we'll listen to it together like on, on whatsapp we'll text each other about how brilliant we were um oh it, it but feels it's like a, you know the, the queen archives or the beatles archives delving back finding yeah stuff. i'm not sure there's quite <laughs> quite as large an audience um but yeah there's something it, it's lovely actually that because Stuart's done that gone to the effort and we've listened back it's just cemented that as a really happy memory we can listen mm. back to stuff and we can forget all any kind of difficult stuff that was going on <laughs> and we can there was a real a real joy in what we were doing we just weren't interested in anyone outside of us two in a bunker <laughs> making some uh, ludicrously experimental um stuff some of which i've got no recollection of i would say who, who was playing the drums i don't know <laughs> um but yeah I, i'll i'll look look back on that really really fondly but probably because i know that i've done that and i've i've now got other things going on in my life yeah what are you uh is there anything you're looking forward to at the moment i know that's hard with um kind of restrictions um easing and things being a little uncertain but what are you looking forward to over the next few months um i suppose reconnecting with people there's the being around colleagues as well i've spent i think there's only been two occasions where i've been in a space with my colleagues the rest of the time's been working from home so we've got a few get-togethers planned um yeah reconnecting with people and just reflecting on how everyone's come together um so in a work capacity absolutely just being in a space with people i'm starting to imagine now being back in an office and it's a really positive i, I struggle with mondays actually this this was a dream actually starting <laughs> the week with something like this because otherwise you know when you're sat at the same table you had your sunday dinner at but now you're supposed to be at work i really it's, it's normally tuesday it's hard before to shift, uh, isn't it? yeah and then yeah, the tuesday seeps yeah. into wednesday so something <laughs> about those clear lines for me um mm. between home and work yeah um going out so i've got a friend paul who works for health watch he has been so supportive during the whole lockdown offered me loads of advice we've been able to just let off steam about stuff so sitting outside a pub with paul will be great um yeah seeing more of my family being able to do some gigs going to see some bands um i mean i'm not i'm certainly not going to be queuing up for primark i'm not a great shopper so it's for some people absolutely the shops reopening will be a real lifeline uh, i've not really missed any of that also i love cooking as well so maybe a pub lunch a vegan pub lunch oh, might be on the cards as well that sounds good that sounds good yeah lots of things to look forward to yeah i think so yeah but also a huge amount of uh recovery to go on with communities as well i mean yeah. i think there's i kind of temper my enthusiasm with the realization that for some people 
um who knows what kind of conditions some people are still living in and, and what kind of challenges they're facing so i think pubs opening shops opening is is part of the recovery but i think there's a huge 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 bit of work uh, that i don't think we yet know what it looks like in terms of supporting people to regain their independence their their self-confidence their i think for some people their, their sense of identity like what are they anymore um what does the world look like some people probably still haven't been back out for, for a huge amount of time so yeah i think there's there's still a a, a huge challenge there for us all to kind of support our local community i've been thinking we'll be um researching this period of time for decades to come won't we and as you say there'll there'll still be stuff coming out over the next few months years that uh the community sector will need to uh to deal with i suppose and yeah mental health um of people and everything you've just said definitely yeah, absolutely yeah yeah what um if people want to kind of get in touch with Voda, what's the best way that they can do that if uh they feel that they might need some support or if they if, want to volunteer if they can shine a giant v into the sky <laughs> like then we will find them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um so we have a website which is voda.org.uk um so in terms of volunteering we we would love to hear from people who would like to explore volunteering opportunities so by all means um, people can get in touch with us uh, and also we're working with other local charities such as age uk citizens advice carers center to make sure people are able to get the support they need as part of their recovery from the last 12 months you know and of course there was people living in really dire situations before lockdown happened so it's not as if everyone was coasting and now this thing's come and knocked everyone it's really just possibly added more kind of layers onto some of the difficulties um i think you know there's loads of really positive stuff for us to to hold on to and certainly we're very keen to to just kind of reflect on that mutual aid stuff that happened certainly whilst i was lying awake wondering about how do we sort out someone's shopping payment there was other people actually getting on and doing stuff on a very street mm. level and yeah. and that is just incredible and, and we want to look at how do we support that very local how can we continue um, that yeah, yeah rather than yeah. like voters yeah out the way we've got this like yeah. that's the last thing we want to be doing so there's, yeah. there's loads of really really interesting stuff that i think is really heartening uh, and probably what we don't want is for everyone to just think right we've done our bit of volunteer and nobody needs us anymore we'll just kind of crack on um because there's so much more people could be doing well, thank you so much for your time this morning, Robin. Um, I look forward to hearing the jingle that you put together uh, <laughs> earlier <Yeah>. on. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So that was Robin. What did people think? A lovely guy. Oh, he's great, isn't he, Robin? Oh, yeah. He's so good. Really nice guy. Yeah. Tell you what, when, <laughs> when I was listening to his podcast... And he mentioned the name of his band. I thought, right, I'm going to have to have a listen to uh, Emergency Librarian too. So listen to that while he was talking just to kind of put everything in context. It was, it was fabulous. Just, I mean, as music goes, nuts, totally nuts. But, ah, you know, just fantastic. That, that whole kind of, and I don't mean this in a bad way, um, but it's it, it's kind of noise. It's people understand noise and, uh, you know, I, I you look very I, happy. I am really happy. It did make me happy, happy listening to it. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, when uh, 
when when we can do gigs again uh, and they can get back on stage that, that should be a a first point of call for a lot of music fans in the in the northeast so emergency librarian too um the other thing that really kind of struck me um was um, I, I loved it when he was telling a story of how he got involved in voda in the first place um and it because it was one of these stories that you know starts off on a particular trajectory um and then goes all over the place and you know unexpectedness and unplanned things happen and you know best laid plans and all that um getting to Glasgow and realising he <laughs> didn't really like the course. What was it? Sociology in German. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great mix. Uh, but actually liking uh, the sort of Mogwai music scene a little bit more. Um, but through all that route, he kind of ended up somewhere which really felt like, yeah, this is, this is home for him. This is, this is kind of something that, you know, is passionate, really motivates him. And he's obviously really, really good at it. Um, and I think that's that's encouraging, isn't it? Because you know, quite often, you know, lives are messy things, and they don't often go the way that you anticipate. But you can still end up in in really good places, and it's nice to nice to have that reminder. Yeah. Kath, what did you think? I thought it was a typical Robin Fry that it took him twenty one minutes before he actually told you that he was the chief executive of the organisation. <laughs> <laughs> that is so Robin. Mm-hmm. And a few weeks ago, I, I spent a socially distanced. I was stood in a street in North Shields doing a, he was filming and uh, I was interviewing. And it's just such a joy to, to be involved in Voda projects. Uh, any of them really, is, the, his staff are as, as good as, as he is. And, and he talked about that, I think, that idea that they, they, knew, they knew each other, they worked as a unit even before COVID came along and that gave them a foundation to go forward into what the amazing things they've done. I mean, they, mm. they deserve every accolade going for what they've done. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mm. agree. Yeah. There's a nice link there with what um, what Jack was talking about last week about um, getting involved in sort of community stuff, and actually getting out there and doing it. You know, um, he was talking about littering um, and sort of getting out there and being part of the the effort to clean it up rather than. Um, just kind of grieving for it, I think was the words that he used. But it's it's been something which has been a real pleasure to see that lots of people in the communities are actually, you know, despite the restrictions that we've been under, you know, actually getting out there and doing stuff and connecting with people and, and you know, against the odds. And it's it's great. Yeah. He used the word terror a couple of times because you were literally meeting people at their front door who didn't know how to manage or who to turn to. And they were at the front door and saw that and it wasn't always the people that you would expect which was very interesting he made a comment about transactions and relationships which i thought was wonderful mm. and the the idea that he was giving vegan recipes to a lady in color quotes and i thought well you're never going to be short of a career robin because you can take up uh, <laughs> you can become a well-known local vegan cook just turned everything into such a nice situation. It was interesting when talking about that that the the person who had recently become vegan and how actually this moment has improved her life because it's it's encouraged her to um, seek out new and different foods and and eating better and, and things like that. So it's, there's been a real mixture, hasn't there, of experiences across this pandemic. You know, for some people it's been 
the most awful time um for others there's been really positive moments as well and that's there's been um you know they've, they've embraced um you know a slower way of life and and all of that sort of thing so it's been a real mix hasn't it of, of experiences and i think voda have seen all of those different experiences um through the the work that they've done over the last year it's been an absolute absolutely incredible um effort from the whole the whole organization well thank you so much robin for that interview it was great to chat and hear what you've been getting up to over the last year with voda it was it was a great interview so thank you if you've been inspired by this podcast episode then we'd love to hear from you We'd love to hear your stories and opinions on what happiness means to you. You can get in touch via email, hello at thenorthernguidetohappiness.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter at North Happiness and Instagram and Facebook at Northern Happiness. We are really happy to be back spreading more joy and happiness around the North East thanks to funding from the National Lottery Community Fund and the Newcastle Covid Fund. So thank you so much to our funders for your support. Next week's episode is with Liz Luff, who is involved in the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation. We talk about the amazing work the foundation does, as well as what motivates her to be involved in its work. So you'll hear me ask her questions like this. We talked in our pre-recording chat about that sense of community around the football. And I, I you know, likened that to the, the community around the roller derby that, that I play. Is that something that brings you happiness? Newcastle, going to the games? And hear her give answers like this. Does Newcastle United bring me happiness? No, no it doesn't, funnily enough. Um, first of all, I would not, wouldn't have got the work through the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation and the opportunity to meet Sir Bobby and all of the amazing people that I have met through the foundation if it wasn't for being a season ticket holder at St James's. I've had moments of true happiness at St James's Park. I've had moments of absolute despair and many more moments of just, dear God, let this be over. But you go there, and again, this is something that I've, I've really missed. You go there and you feel something. So we reached the end of our second episode of the Northern Guide to Happiness. We hope you've enjoyed listening so far. Take care and see you all again next week for another episode. Mm-hmm.